Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. In this episode, you're going to hear about why experiential isn't a dirty word, but might be an unhelpful one, about how we communicate with audiences when most of us now have the attention span of a goldfish, or worse, in my case, and also how brands can insert themselves into that relationship in a way that seems authentic and, crucially, actually delivers a message. So, to begin with, I'm going to ask our guests to introduce themselves. Thank you all very much for joining me for this discussion. I know that it's one that the Drum Network's audience, actually the Drum's audience more widely, is paying a lot of attention to at the moment. So, Mike, can you introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Sure. Hi, my name is Mike White, and I'm the CEO and founder of Lively Worldwide. That's fantastic. And Tasha? Hi, I'm, I'm Tash. Um, I'm the Brand Experience Director at Freeman. Very nice. And last but not least, Jonathan. Hi, yeah. I'm Jonathan. Uh, I'm the founder of Amplify. Very nice. Well, we have a wealth of experience and insight around the table, virtual table, I suppose. So why don't we kick off? Mike, can you tell us why Experiential is having a bit of a, a moment? Why has there been so much attention paid to it right now? Um, well, because I think, well, many things. Uh, audiences' engagement and the way that they're interacting with brands has totally changed over, well, an ongoing change over the last decade. And for me, experiential kind of delivers that kind of far better engagement and kind of authentic content that most traditional forms of marketing don't seem to be hitting the nail on right now. And so why is that? Is that just as a result of, I suppose, changing audience uh, habits, what people are coming, becoming habituated to when they talk about kind of having an experience? Uh, well, basically, if you look at the stats, it's something like, you know, we're bombarded with between 8,000 to 10,000 adverts a day. And given we've got these lovely things in our hands, you know, there's this lovely, there was a rumor going around or a stat that was going around saying our attention spans as humans had become the size of goldfishes. But actually, if you drill into it, the fact is that we've just got far more choice. We're just bombarded with so much. It's how do we kind of cut through that noise? So, you know, people want authenticity. They want brands to engage with them. And so, uh, you know, experiences do that. They deliver it. You know, you don't, well, my personal opinion is you don't necessarily have to fly halfway around the world to do an amazing advertising shoot when you've got all these amazing experiences in front of you. And, and you know, COVID, although it had a massive impact, we can't get through this meeting without talking about it you know, it made people realize we crave for that human interaction even more. So, um, you know, it, it's just, it's just been a, a I, yeah, I don't even want to call it a trend anymore. It's been yeah. a growth area that, well, all of us are in right now. And, you know, certain businesses like ourselves and Amplify have chosen it as our speciality. So it, it's, you know, it's not a trend. It's a new way of, of marketing and reaching audiences. I think even before the pandemic, there was that, already the shift with people prizing experiences over possessions. Obviously, we've had 18 months where we've been deprived of those experiences. And it's fair to say that there's different levels of appetite for those experiences. But while we've all had to prioritise redoing our kitchens over holidays, now that we can actually do experiences and start to get those exciting things, everyone's keen to get out of the house, do things. And I think, again, through the pandemic, as Mike kind of, kind of touched on, you know, experiences have evolved and changed. No one would have wished the pandemic, but it's, uh, we think 
it's made changes that were long overdue in the world of brand experience and certainly made those experiences more democratic and open to all and certainly broken down some global barriers as well through kind of using technology and different audience appetites. And Tasha, I saw you were sort of nodding along there when we were talking about kind of it changing and then the kind of the new opportunities that it offers. So what would be yeah, some think, of the things that you're Yeah, I think seeing? I think it's I think it's as, as both have said very eloquently, I think it's absolutely around this this sort of physical nostalgia that everyone, you know, Zoom fatigue and, and everyone just cannot wait to, you know, to just be to touch somebody and experience something rather than to visualize visually see it, but like on a on a laptop. But I think aside of that, there's also this kind of clients are reassessing their strategic goals. They are demanding more from their events and marketing solution now. I think they're, they're no longer wanted to be seen to go back to what they were doing. Mm. They want to be doing something bold with impact. Um, and I think they're looking to agencies like us to help them to do that because I think in a way, sometimes clients are blinkered by their own industries. And I think they're turning to us in this experiential marketing world because what do we know that's going on out there in the world that maybe other other clients are doing better or differently? So I think they're relying a lot more on us as agencies to help them to shape a slightly different kind of uh, strategic goal of where they're trying to be now, I think, rather than just sort of being at something or experiencing for the sake of it. I think mm. there's a lot, I think there's a lot more needed from it now. So how much how much work then do do you all have to put into kind of that consultative approach of going to brands and saying, well, look, here's what experiential can deliver? on your behalf right now. It's not necessarily just a kind of, I was talking to one of our other experiential uh, specialist network members not too long ago, and they were saying it, often it's seen as a bit of an afterthought. So how do you actually go about making sure that it's kind of baked into the plan right from the start? Uh, ed education is, uh, yeah. is, I think, the key here. I, I think, you know, I've been in experiential now for 30 years, and um, <clears throat> it's been a continual education process you know but it's it's shifted you know it's gone from the days where you know i was given experiential budgets and just told to do my thing yeah. and not yeah. be integrated yeah. you know i wasn't allowed into the the advertising agencies uh, offices really to, to even <laughs> talk integrated i was just told to go and activate mm. um and you know for years there was this education of do you know how much money you're spending on just doing an experience on its yeah. own and not integrating it fully so we, as an agency, have just literally educated people that events are content creators. And if you see that, and, and I'm actually, I'm trying to pull away from the word experiential because, you know, we, we do not work in the world of just physical. Um, and actually now we're, we're kind of, we don't particularly want to work with clients that, wanna, that don't want to integrate the two um, because we actually see it as, as lost lost returns you know we're always we've been in this amazing thing of yeah how do you measure experiential but for us the minute you find clients that are work, willing to collaborate and integrate across different departments and put you at the top table the the whole thing just shifts um yeah. so yeah it, it's gone from kind of selling to education to now consultative particularly in the last two years so how does that track yeah. with what the the other you know, what our other two guests are seeing. It's that kind of approach and going to potential clients and saying, look, you're leaving money on the table potentially by not, you know, baking well, this into the kind of the plan from the start. 
I think I think it's gone full 360. Similar to Mike, when I kind of started out, it was like the 30 spec second spot ruled everything and everything else was kind of make it work in your channels. Mm. Whereas mm. now, like the work we did, the curiosity rooms for Google, and actually that was the hub that drove all the content. All the advertising was about that because it contextualized or Airbnb, we did Night of the Louvre. And with that, the the advert was the launch of the competition for that experience. And it's it's kind of become, I think, a lot more respected. And that was, those things were pre-pandemic. Through the pandemic, when, you know, people haven't been able to see the advertising so much because they haven't been out there. And I think there's a real move, you know, you, yeah, sure, surely you need to get mass awareness, but there's the affinity in kind of building those relationships. And I think what's happened with, again, I don't like the word experiential, but with brand experience, what we've seen happen is, again, the, the merging with technology means the measurement is there. So we all have the TV figures and things like that that are almost, whether people, whether they're true, those TV figures, there's a, there's a measurement system. Now, because we can track how far mm. those experiences are going, the content they're driving, mm. the attitude shifts, it's, I guess it's just brand experiences come of age and it's as a discipline, uh, as a brand marketee, uh, and it's on us as agencies on that, we help the, the clients measure the ROI on that as well. And again, so it does stack up, not only creatively, but also commercially. Uh, that, that's, that's hit the nail on the head. It's interesting, Jonathan, you know, obviously we've, we've, we've shadowed each other quite a lot over the years and, and it is, it's, we now use the kind of awareness figure to, to get through the kind of the, um, I don't know what to call it, almost the politics of marketing, uh, whereas we just always challenge engagement. It's it's how much of your true audience has truly engaged with what you are creating as a marketing campaign and, and really trying to elevate that value in the in the ROI is, is kind of, and that's where experiences came from, wasn't it? It was the reason we got into events was the engagement and the dwell time is there and smashes everything. The trouble mm -hmm. is if you if you look at just the physical numbers, depending on what the objectives are of the brand, it just, you know, you're suddenly head to head with a, a media agency evaluating, you know, 10 million people watching bumpers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas now, you know, we can actually truly create content from those experiences, create digital experience, you know, and this is the thing, experiences, we're having an experience now. We're not mm. face to face, unfortunately, but we're still seeing each other, talking yeah. to each other and hearing each other. Um, and that's the thing it's and hopefully more people will listen to this because it's engaging authentic content <laughs> well, that's, that's a good sell thank you crossed, yeah. <laughs> well there's a um i mean there's so much to pick up there thank you very much uh, this... i was just literally going to say it, it's it's interesting because i think we all talk the same language and i think it's because we're all experiencing the same thing and i think we're all trying to support our clients who all of a sudden are having to take it back to the basics so you know is taking it back to the why. Why are we doing this? Who are we trying to connect with? Why are we connecting with our audiences? What are we trying to achieve? You're absolutely right. There's always a need for to understand the return and digital and has really helped with that because let's be honest, in the live area, it was, in, it was always impossible to really get a true sense of what that was. But by combining the two of those, which is what we have been forced to do through COVID, whether we like it or not, and I hate to drop the C-bomb, but we were, that, gonna, we were always going to talk about it. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. It was going to be me as well. Um, by combining the two, I think it, it is literally taken to base. It's what we are no longer, and I don't know if, it, well, if it's the same for you, um, for both of you, um, Jonathan and Mike, but it's less about now receiving briefs and pitching and more about, we're a partnership. 
you have to work in partnership. So it, it now becomes what's what do what are we trying to achieve? Do we want to go to ten events a year, the same things we've always done, or can you do one bigger and better? Can you do it differently? How can you engage in a way that, like you said earlier, I think Mike, you know, why ship in ten execs from around the world when you can potentially stream them in and do something slightly innovative? That's innovation. Innovation is is streaming them in in a, in a in an impressive way, but still interacting in that live space. So it, it's exactly, I think we all, we've all experienced the same thing, but yeah. it's it's kind of delivering for our clients now based on understanding what they're truly trying to achieve rather than just ticking the box of, oh, we've always done this event or we've always yeah. had a leadership conference. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and, and also, you know, we always keep hearing innovation and I want to see something fresh, but it, what does that really mean? Um, so I think, I think, you know, I think, you know, that's really helps. I think all those agencies really think about pushing that a lot more. It's funny, it's not to, not to get to agency marketing on this, but we are in this world is one of the lines we're now using is innovation is the new creativity. Cause that, that's the thing. We've mm. got to keep innovating and coming up with new ways because traditional marketing mm. just isn't working. Mm. And, and it is all, all about choice. Everybody just wants to be given a choice now. And that's the thing. A lot of people, because of our messaging, have kind of said, oh, are you just championing virtual? No, I, I totally want yeah. face-to-face. I want mm-hmm. events back. Yeah. But I do think everybody should be allowed the, the choice, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's during a pandemic or for your health or just yeah. actually for the environment or because you've got family. Yeah. Um, and not miss out because you can't be there live. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, that, and that's where creating an idea or platform that can live across many different channels and ways is more important, I think, than again, going back to those old days where you get the 30 second spot and make it work. Yeah. If you think of something that's designed to work across multiple channels to be future proof, it can work stronger. In, in the old agency I was in <laughs> prior to setting up Amplify, best of times, worst of times, <laughs> uh, kind of thing. <laughs> Strangely, when, when the clients came to us with a brand or business problem, our solution was an event because ultimately that's what that agency did and mm-hmm. an event wasn't right. There's so many ways to solve problems and, you know, could it be a partnership? Could it be actually targeting mm-hmm. retail? Could it be a broadcast? Could it be a content piece? I guess mm-hmm. brand experience for me now is completely agnostic. It's, it is what is the best solution. And then on top of that is how do you amplify that? We talk about creating content engines that kind of which often the physical experiences are the ones that are are best at doing that and kind of creating multiple touch points but you know we work hand in hand with the media agencies to pick who the media partners are to collaborate with them so they get the stories and the content Mm. they want to put through their channels we work with the creators so they can again they're part of that process so it's not just a brand preaching to an audience Mm. We, we 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 look to create the rather than just creating the campaigns for the communities, we want to create with those communities because A, it has far more authenticity, but B, almost the creation of the campaign becomes part of the marketing as much as when you Absolutely. get to that launch moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it's funny, preempted. Uh, Jonathan, sorry, oh it's funny, Jonathan, isn't it? In, in the fact that just look at your company name, it's, you know, yes. it's Amplify. Uh, yeah. And interesting enough, you know, you, you your business, you know, I suppose, you know, similar to ours, you end up getting labeled with events or experiential. Mm, yeah. um, and I'm sure it's easy, you know, easier for you because you, you just go look at our name. So <laughs> it's not events anywhere, it's Amplify, for goodness yeah, yeah. sake. Um, Mike, you are, you're plugging everybody today, Mike. 
The drone now amplifies. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? I think it's the uh, it's living in LA for two years. You just yeah. become. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we we sort of. We've skirted around the discussion a I'll little bit. I'll move on to uh, Tash next. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So we, we, we're talking there about hybrid, effectively. There's not a day, go by, day goes by that we don't get a number of pitches around kind of the, the hybrid event. And I know that's something that, are, in fact, one of the questions that my um, the head of the network, Holly, has dropped in here is, what are some of the considerations that need to go into ensuring that your, you know, for lack of a better term, experiences do exist and have parity across both in person and virtual and to what extent are brands and marketers expecting now that there will be a parity not just in terms of quality but in terms of deliverables as well well this was this was i think i think we've all seen examples of these through the pandemic the hybrid's nothing new i guess the whole idea mm. of amplifying things is you create things through the content and stuff so i think you know from all of our agencies i'm sure we can give you loads of examples of hybrid events before it's just yeah. maybe this time is coming of age the pandemic, what was you know through that, what you saw, which was the we we were determined not to have anything with a COVID timestamp on it. Any mm. investment should be future proofing it. But you saw so many experiences online, which literally translated what was physical. Someone getting the phone out for a launch or something out of their pocket, put online, and like again, and that was everything. You know what? You, you just. It, it wasn't using the best of the media or the marketing mix. You know, they were still insisting on an hour long. We did one and we're like, well, we can do all the key messaging in 16 minutes. We can do something that works for B2C as well as B2B. We've got all this exciting opportunity to break the format and look at things differently while our audiences are also quite open to change and keen to support it. So why don't we look at setting things up differently? So I think that is important to think about, you know, the audience in the room, but also the audience at home and how you cut that, whether they're together, whether they're separate, it, it, you know, th there are lots of opportunities out there. So, I mean, God, let me unpack that for just one second. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it sounds like there's, in a lot of ways, what you've been doing has in terms of actually delivering value back to kind of the brand hasn't changed. So when you're actually going about creating in 2021, creating experiences, creating events, amplifying messages like that, to what extent is there a focus on digital first versus in-person or is it literally case by case? It's, oh, uh, from, it's case by case. Um, you know, the, there's so many different factors to it in the fact that it's like, you know, what are the objectives? Who's your audience? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? You know, are you launching a product? All these different things have to come into consideration. But the I think the important factor kind of wrapped around both of these questions, and we've all said it, is you have to develop strategies that are future-proof now. Mm. Um, to, to Jonathan's point, you know, we... We were very lucky, you know, we worked with Ericsson and worked with them globally and they they asked for a solution when they pulled out a mobile World Congress. We we didn't give them a reactive solution. We gave them a, a long-term strategy, which has now evolved over a year and a half through three three transitions of pure virtual to you know live in, in a studio to all those sort of things to now moving into hybrid. But I kind of again. I'd like, like, it's a bit like the, all these words we come up with, whether it's experiential or hybrid or whatever. Yeah. It's, if we're going to be true marketeers, we've got to stop kind of um, uh, departmentalizing ourselves. Mm. And, and that's the biggest challenge is, is for us. It's finding 
businesses, and you've got to remember, you know, these businesses are very big unless they're startups. But we are all traditionally departmentalized. So everybody has their own set of objectives and their own. So again, going back to the strategy thing, it's trying to educate at the kind of C-suite level so that you know they can they can understand how things have changed and marketing disciplines need to be considered across the board. Um, and you know, I, I've been talking to some really interesting brand managers that have asked for help to educate up because uh, okay. they they are seeing yeah. the changes, but they're being told, no, you've got a budget here, you've got a budget here. So it's it's seeking out the people that get it now. I always said because of COVID. You know, there will be this race back to physical because everybody's mm. just sick and tired of being in front of screens. Um, and and I kind of predicted just off my own head, it's like it's almost like 60% of the industry will just go back to normal. 40% of the of the clever people will continue to move forward. And then I think over a year to two years, that other 60% will suddenly realize that they've taken a step back and not move forward. And that kind of education process will hopefully start to make real transitions I, yeah the last 18 months obviously predominantly been liberated from physical thinking first so we've explored mm. and really almost like if one sense is taken off you heightens all your other senses mm. now that sense is returning we've got such a such a kind of playground to kind of get get involved with i think in that i think having really strong and clear narrative at the core is important because then it doesn't matter which channel, physical, virtual, however we deliver that, I think that's important. The other thing I think which we you know, need to be aware of, as Mike was rightly saying, is audience appetites. <laughs> and they yeah. are different. So, you know, you only have to flick through Instagram feed to see loads of people having amazing times at festivals, but the people sitting at home are a bit nervous about it aren't, aren't, aren't putting those pictures on Instagram. You know, and even in a B2B world, we, we look at some of the big events that we've done there and it's you know we we see them them being very different where perhaps rather than two big physical events there might be a series of smaller ones yeah. or some people will join the physical ones some will join uh through virtually and some might just join through the content you make whilst you're running those experiences which often you know we always look to do an audio what content can we create that we can disseminate pre during and after so it doesn't just live at, at, at that one moment in time it lives on and has a bit of a legacy and I think the other thing about having you know if you have a strong idea and concept when we did the PlayStation 5 global launch around the world when we were designing that we had to have a really strong narrative and idea because we did not know which of those territories would be in lockdown which wouldn't which ones would be able to do which things so again you've got a concept that can be created globally but then can be tailored to, to the different markets and their needs yeah, and I think it's interesting because for me, I feel like, and this might be a bit of a curveball, you might all laugh at me, but uh, it's always a risk. Uh, but I think it's two things kind of happened for me when when COVID kicked in. I think there was, for I felt that there was almost a panic, first of all, that live would go and that actually digital was somehow going to take over and all of us live agencies were all going to not be needed anymore. And there was kind of a bit of a panic and a sadness. And as time kind of went on, I think people actually realised, and this is, this again is the controversial point, digital kind of disappointed a little for mm. some clients. And that's not because digital doesn't have its strengths, but it's because what, we, what I learned pretty quick is you have to stay in your lane. Digital is digital, live is live. And I think what we tried to do was create digital scenarios that made you feel like you were still there. 
there was this you know need to to, to be in a forum be in a room and be able to look around it and and that was an amazing experience but long term people are craving that live element so I think it's kind of and when I say stay in your lane I mean that with the, with the utmost respect I think that combining those two things together the hybrid event is absolutely the way forward because you ramp up the bits you do and don't need and just a small example when this first kicked in we were we were planning to do an event with a client of ours that was a live event and the brief was simply flip it to digital flip it to mm. virtual actually you can't do that because some elements of live transfer beautifully into digital absolutely but others just simply don't and that's okay because of course you can't create one-to-ones you can't have those engagements on a personal level but you can create a wonderful engaging forum for example where people can communicate and can um, create communities so I think it really is you know isn't one size fits all Um, and I think for me it is it's I also feel that kind of live somehow slightly houses digital sometimes I think it kind of is the platform by which you then experience the digital so I think that when you combine those two things together I think that 360 is a beautiful experience whether or not that's for huge budgets or small i think that ultimately i think the way forward is actually going to be that you ultimately are creating hybrid events whether whether we you kind of feel you are or not and i think as I, I, both michael jonathan jonathan has said in the past you know um award ceremonies um sporting events broadcast they've always been successful they've always existed but for a long time digital featured within events rather than became the event became part of it and i think that's what's ramped up in this time? I think, yeah, I, definitely. Sorry. Yeah. The pandemic has definitely forced us ways to find ways to break mm. those kind of geographical boundaries. Yeah. And rather than doing one thing in one country, suddenly you're doing it in 187 countries at the same time. Every generation, people have got a lot more comfortable with the technology, you know, probably done five or 10 years worth of audience getting used to that as well. You know, we used to use we always talk about tech being the secret little helper. It's not the idea, it's the thing that gets you there. Mm-hmm. Often people exactly. fo- focus on the, I think brands almost ruin, v- ruin VR by doing all bad experiences and no one wanted to have a go after those as well. Yeah. But for during the pandemic, tech yeah. was, tech was the experience. So we've got to see, you know, you know, and again, everyone's jumping on the metaverse kind of as a tag and things like that, but you know, my little boy's been playing on Fortnite and an Animal Crossing for years and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a start. It's just they, 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 as that audience grow up, they'll have a different mm-hmm. perceptions. But again, everyone's like, again, there's a period. I, don't, I think it's got windows, like kind of alluded to, but the next 12 to 18 months, we can take all the amazing stuff we've tried. And I think brands mm-hmm. have also A-B mm-hmm. tested stuff in a way like they never would have done before. Mm. But, but, but the fortune will favour those brands that, whether whether out of necessity or 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 um, choice that will be creatively brave and really Bold. work out how to use all those bits of the mix in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest, again, I, I don't think that was a, a a challenger statement at all. I think the the thing that kind of bugs me is that everybody likes to overcomplicate things, and and this is where I do think experience. Well, I'm going to say I don't want to say experiential, but <laughs> kind of brand experience is going to take a lead because. You know, again, somebody that's created a business that is that is very, you know, we we, you know, my business partner is a, a tech guy. That's why I went into business with him. And but mm. us experience experts do know how to to make it. And the funny thing is, like like you said, Tash, is in the fact that the you know, like look at sporting events, the NFL, the football, mm. they've always 
yeah, done it. They've always, uh, fair enough, it's just broadcast, which could be classed as just a linear experience. But, you know, the thing that I found really interesting is when I used to work with external content companies to broadcast or live stream or catch a content at my event, they'd always try and remove like half of my audience because they'd want to turn it into Oh, of course, yeah. And I'm like, you just don't get it. And to be honest, that's why I ended up just like, you know, forming a new company and bringing content in-house because I was just sick to death of people not understanding it in the digital world. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what's great is this collaboration we've seen within our clients and with other agencies is finally people are starting to respect each other for their disciplines. Mm -hmm. And so the tech guys understand tech, but you know, we understand how to how and when to use it to make sure yeah. the experience yeah. is correct. Yeah. And now that there's that feeling of mutual respect, you know, the, 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 the potential egos within the event industry, you know, the, the arguments I had with event people when I was like, come and work for me, but you're going to have to do a virtual event. They were like, God, I don't want to do that. I'm an <laughs> event person. And I'm like, well, you're not going to have a job for a very long time if you don't adapt. Um, and now, you know, I've got, I've got people loving it because they've, They've seen that their, their skills from understanding how to create experiences or how to shoot content, but but working with other people, you know, we ironically, I hate to say it, but the feeling of excitement and freshness over the last year and a half in our business has been quite incredible yeah. because everybody's like, God, we're, we're learning new things, but we're still creating experiences. And now we're going to take those experiences back in, and, and change how we used to do stuff, which, um, which yeah, is really I think, exciting. I think, I think we often mm -hmm. focus on the, the amazing kind of cultural and strategic insights and creativity. I think one of the reasons why brand experience agencies are doing well is because obviously in a complicated 18 months, uh, we're well versed to uh, kind of handling very complicated, multifaceted projects with lots of different stakeholders. So whilst it's maybe not the the sexy, exciting stuff, the fact, you know, being a safe pair of hands, one, you know, there doesn't tend to be a lot of egos. Everyone kind of works out how to get the best out of one another. I think that's, again, why they're, like, often we end up being the lead agency on briefs, just because we're good project managers, yeah. as well as mm. good creative yeah, well thinkers. Mm. So something then I'm, I'm keen to find out is you were talking there about the, you know, this, this great cross-discipline collaboration and people realizing that, you know, to, to borrow Tasha's phrase, people should stay in their lanes, but also kind of work <laughs> with other people. So to what extent then is there almost a reappraisal of what an event, whether that be purely virtual, whether that be live, whether that be some combination, what it can offer to the wider marketing mix? Are we now seeing brands recognize that kind of an, an event can exist far beyond the kind of the, the limited time slot of the brand itself and kind of really boost its other marketing efforts? Oh, well, if we, can I just jump in on this really quickly, guys? Sorry. Um, do you know what? It, it's interesting. We did, we did the, it was really simple, but so effective. We did a, a, an event for tech, one of our tech clients in Dubai in the middle of, it was, so it was October, November of last year, where they wanted to be, they wanted to be present at the event because in that part of the world, it was possible, mm. but it wasn't possible for them to be there as a brand and actually engage with their customers. So, of course, the automatic re response was, oh, we, we just shouldn't go. And it was actually, well, hold on a second. Let, let's think, let's strategically think about how you can do this. So we actually created um, a stand where the client actually didn't have to be there. 
And, and of course, the first reaction to that is a client, well, like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do we engage with the customers? How, why would they even go? But actually, we you know, spent a lot of time and effort, as, as the guys are also saying with their company, is that creating self, like a self-curated experience. So mm. content was absolutely key because there's no point creating a wonderful space that people can go to, but once you get there, nothing happens. So how do you get them there? What's going to happen in that space? So content became key. That became the, like the driving force. They had higher engagement at that, at that environment. I don't want to call it a stand because it wasn't. I'm going back to the old ways, but <laughs> that, that space than they, than they ever had traditionally. And that's because there was a whole different approach to it. They, we generated more leads, but, but real leads. So rather than people just passing by or happening to be there, it was, there was intention behind it. You actually had to you know, register, have an interest, show why you want, and actually create these you know, situations for you to be present. And you know, it, it just, it, it still it was digital, but it was still a means to react and connect people. And, and I think that the key as well for me was, well, hold on a minute. How, how do you get them there though? So then there mm. became a whole element of pre-coms. How do you excite people to understand, come, we're not going to be here, but we don't need to be because these amazing things can happen. So you kind of created a whole different idea of experiential. So you're still using a physical space, but actually you're, you're actually creating a, a virtual experience in a space. So it kind of flipped, I guess it flipped the story, didn't it? It flips the scripts. But I think that's now has pushed that, pushed that client to now do it again this year, consider it also for MWC, whether they go or not. And actually we're now creating a hybrid experience. But if for any reason the world takes a turn again and everyone's locked in their houses, killing their children because they're, they're not at school, they can still proceed with doing that. So I think it's... you we can't also just assume the world you know the world is not going back to normal so it's here to stay and we have to understand how to make our clients think in that same way i think yeah that the whole idea of the the kind of the new normal always it never made sense to me because it's yeah, like people I mean, forgot how the linear progression of time works like it's just yeah. absolutely no sense in it so we're, we're sort of unfortunately we're coming to the end of the discussion i just wondered uh, as a penultimate question for those drum network members who are listening and you know they they are the working experiential or you know what we're terming experiential. Sorry, Mike. Um, or if they're looking to kind of work <laughs> this with thing, the whole industry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> or they're looking to work on you know with other agencies who specialize on, on behalf of a client. What would be your advice in where they should be placing their chips? Is it in Mike, as you said, that kind of educational aspect of talking to clients? Is it in building a kind of robust knowledge of which tech underpins? virtual events, where would you say is the place that people should be placing most of their attention? I think as in any other bits of the marketing mix, it's in the idea, mm. the, that, that, that campaign first. The tech for me is the, as I said, the secret little helper that will, mm. you know, if you start thinking in the widgets, you'll, you'll create something very widget based. And that's yeah. what we saw a lot in the pandemic. If you think about big ideas, then those big ideas can live, live across multiple channels. And then as with anything involve the specialists in those conversations up front because that's probably where they give the most value rather than trying to back engineer things or which we're very good at as well but you know again <laughs> often we can make budgets go a lot further and yeah. save a lot of time being kind of involved up front in that process and tash yeah oh no go on no go ahead uh, uh well it's yeah i kind of resonate that it, it's it's that you know, understanding your audience. And, uh, you know, I think everybody needs to stop for a moment and just take in what's happened over mm. the last 10 years. 
um, you know, the, the just, the, the, you know, I had a great conversation with a client who's just achieved an incredible campaign. And I said, could you have achieved it if it wasn't for the pandemic? And she said, no, not at all. Because the pandemic gave me time, uh, released budget, and actually everybody was suddenly open to new ideas. Mm. That for me is this, you know, the creativity gets, you know, is key to, to Jonathan's point. But if we don't kind of stop and understand how successful collaboration has been and looking at what audiences want, it, it can sometimes go, it can be quite hard to get that that creative idea through to full, you know, to the full scale it should be. Um, so, so yeah, kind of, I'd say stop and stop and, and and look at the data and look at the facts and and move forward into a into a clever idea, some smart thinking. Yeah, and I think and I think work with agencies like all of us to understand how to. If I could simplify it in kind of one sentence, my my point would probably be to take the best of what we know and knew of what's worked and blend it with what we sort of call like the supercharged knowledge that we now have that we've gained over this last year. And I think if you can do that and work with an agency like us three to, to pull that together, I think it's, it's that fresh approach, start from the bottom and, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve and then think from scratch. Well, thank you so much for that. We could have spoken about that for hours and actually you've made my job so much easier by well, having so much insight and talking to directly to one another, it's going to be a joy to edit this episode. So thank you very much. But for the listeners, if they want to reach out and get in contact, bend your ear on anything or pitch you anything, where would be the best place for them to reach you? We've had, you know, people suggest LinkedIn, their company site, their email. Mike, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Uh, a number of things. Our, our website, uh, we've got quite a very strong LinkedIn page. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of, uh, we're there. If you Google us, you'll find us. Um, but yeah, website's the main one. Perfect. And Tash? I'd probably say the same. I think website's the main one, but of course, LinkedIn, my own LinkedIn. Um, I'm always on that every day. But I'd probably say LinkedIn and, and, and web is still kind of the best way of doing it. Yeah. Very nice. And Jonathan? Yeah, uh, my email is jonathan at wheelabify.com <laughs> and uh, LinkedIn as well. Perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Mike, Tash and Jonathan, can't thank you enough for taking the time to have a chat with us. Um, and for those listening at home, please do get in contact with anything that you have uh, around experiential or even what you think the, the future of virtual events, we're still terming them that, is going to be. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.